was light enough to use the binoculars, he glassed the valley below. The Sad Boys Book Club. Looking for anything of color, any movement, any trace of standing smoke. You forget what you want to remember. Then, he just sat there holding the binoculars and watching the ashen daylight congeal over the land. He only knew the child was his warrant. He said, if he is not the word of God, God never spoke. The man scanned the horizon with his binoculars. Through the ashen snow that drifted th through the sky, he spied a radio tower. Come on. They trekked through a dead town, walking over the buckled roads and past the creaking houses that moaned in the dirty breeze. Eventually, they crested a hill, and they stood out in front and peered through the rusty gates. The man boosted the boy over the gate. Careful now. Lift that latch for me. The gate swung open and they ambled through the courtyard and into the station. Miraculously, a few bulbs dimly illuminated the halls. The man's eyes passed over the posters for meet and greets and morning show hosts. In his father's day, they played a wop bop a loo bop a wop bamboo. In his day, they played she li 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 lick me like a lollipop. Now, in his son's day, there was only silence. The boy saw the red light was on in the recording booth. What's this? It's a microphone. Were you on the radio before? No, I had a podcast. Did a lot of people listen to your podcast? Uh, actually, it's very hard to cultivate an audience. It was a crowded marketplace. Okay. Welcome to the Sad Boys <laughs> Book Club. My name's Dusty. And I'm Daniel. And we're doing The Road by Cormac McCarthy. As you might have guessed from that intro, we are reading Cormac McCarthy, um, specifically his uh, 2006 novel, The Road. Now, maybe this is just, uh, this is me not really being into the the, the book culture of the times, because I, I don't think I'd ever heard of the book itself until the movie a couple years later. It was kind of a shock to me when I picked up this book last week that it was 2006. I was like, oh, this must be a re-release edition. And I looked and it was like, no, it came out in 2006. I could have sworn it was older. Yeah, a lot of McCarthy's work is quite a bit older. It's like the uh, 80s and 90s. Maybe something from the 70s. I'm actually not like a super close McCarthy scholar. He's he's actually one of the people that I've wanted to read a lot more of, so I'm glad we're doing this. But I, I didn't realize um, just quite how recent some of his stuff was. Although I do remember, like, he got, he was really big around this time. Like, like the man was going on Oprah, which for, for the, the younger listeners and people who maybe don't remember, was basically the one of, if not the most watched show, it was like top three easily most watched shows in America. So like, the, we're talking like full McCarthy fever. Like actually, Dusty, that, the version that you had that you showed me, is actually an Oprah book club version. <laughs> yeah, which I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and plug this. Um, I I got my copy from my local library, like I did with The Stranger. Uh, support your local libraries. Uh, they're amazing. They're fantastic. And if you want to save some money and not necessarily spend fifteen to forty dollars purchasing a book, check your local library. See if they have it. I don't know. You might have a good time. Yeah. It's, you know, 100% support for the libraries. Stand up for your local libraries. Show up for your local libraries. 
Yeah, now is especially a really good time to show support for your local libraries with all the craziness going along, going around in the country surrounding them. So please, please, please support your local library if you can. Yeah, I mean, the, so so M- McCarthy, um, yeah, he was he was he was really big. Um, actually, in preparation for this, I, I actually even was looking up stuff on McCarthy, and I was trying to read about his his style and you know the way he he wrote because he he has a very unique voice that uh, I attempted to uh, create a facsimile there at the beginning. It's 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 very terse. It's very plain spoken. With minimal um, minimal punctuation, right? So we're talking like very few commas, um, any sentence, any not sentences, any quotes um, that are that are uh, you know the, the characters talking, the dialogue, no quotation marks. It's just you have to be you know on your game. You have to be understand to kind of understand like so like they'll they'll just we're talking the the they separate with line breaks between um dialogue phrases so one character will say something no quotation marks no like uh saying like uh blank said or you know whatever then it's just it's just the phrase and then a, a line break and then the response then another line break so you it's there's something about it that's very um uh it's kind of, it's interesting in a way too. It's it's very it, it's almost uh, I guess a little bit Hemingway esque in in that that it's like very clean prose and it's very um, to the point. Does that kind of did you kind of find that when you were reading? Yeah, it definitely took me some time to get used to. I, I think the first night I stopped somewhere around page thirty five, and. Uh, my, my first thought was, uh, this man hates punctuation almost as much as the fact that I hate that he hates punctuation. Yeah, um, that, that was something that, that, uh, I, I thought too, like that first night was, I think I stopped around, I don't know, 25 or so. I, I, I'm not really, I'm not really uh, remembering, but it was, it was, it was kind of tough that first to just kind of like learn how to read it. But once you once you get into it, um, especially because it's a very um, engrossing and atmospheric novel, it uh, it goes pretty quickly. Yeah, I definitely feel a little more acclimated to it now, to where I don't notice it. But I will say uh, there was a spot that stuck out to me. It was I don't know somewhere in the late '80s or early '90s on the pages. Uh, I noticed like three commas in one paragraph, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Did he just learn how to write?" But then it, 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 st- it stuck out to me for a second, so that was weird. It's 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 it it almost kind of like flips my brain around to where at first I was noticing the lack of punctuation every time it happened. To by the time I finished our our section that we're covering today, it was the fact that there was punctuation that stuck out to me, which I I thought was pretty funny. Well, I think you know, maybe when we get closer to that, if you want to look at it again, we could talk about it. Maybe maybe there was something that was being um, there's a reason for it. Maybe just to really hone in on something. I don't know, but there, there's that's kind of like the general thing. Another thing that that I've noticed a lot is his um, his choice of diction is usually like pretty like plain spoken, but then sometimes will hit. With like this incredibly specific um, 
specific word that's that's like very difficult or at least if not difficult um kind of rare but is very fitting to the situation yeah it definitely feels like 99 percent of this book is middle school reading level and then he'll throw in a college level word that even like i i, I am not going to claim that i have some crazy amazing diverse vocabulary i i have probably if we're being really honest here an upper high school level maybe lower college level vocabulary and that might be generous. Uh, so there were plenty of words that I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know what this word means, uh, but I, I have enough context given the context clues of the sentence to where I don't feel like I need to look it up and I'm just going to move on. Another thing that uh, I noticed that he is he would uh, he'll sometimes um, like mash some words together. Like um, in the pantry, there were three jars of home canned tomatoes instead of home canned. It's home canned. Or yeah. like ore handles, you know that that kind of stuff. Uh, pump organ instead of pump organ, you know. There's there's some words that he just kind of fuses together, and it's 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 kind of interesting. Um, I feel like if you were, I feel like it must be kind of um, uh, liberating. I would say if you're him, because you don't if you don't have if you don't uh, bother with punctuation, then. Um, you don't have to worry about it. You're like, nah, I, I'm not going to put a comma. And that that so I, I from a certain standpoint, it's almost kind of um, as as a failed writer. It, there there is a certain sort of enviable quality in that that he was able to to stake out that lane. Another thing that I, I've noticed um, a little bit about his his writing style that I, I kind of want to get into is that. Um, you know the terseness also is in the, and I, I I wonder if this is something that is true of this book or all of his books because I haven't read any of his other books. Um, a, a lot of the the dialogue is also very short and clipped, so I I don't know I, there I, there's something about it that creates this effect like the the very short and to the point dialogue, the very uh, unique sentence structures, you know it, it feels. I don't want to say postmodern, but post-apocalyptic. It fits the post-apocalyptic vibe, right? So there's like no, there's like minimal punctuation. There's no like a lot of the structures that you think of when you think of books, um, like the the normal the way the pages even lay, or the the chapters. There are no chapters. It's just like it's like a big. They'll they'll be you'll go on for you know lots and lots of pages, and then there'll be like a, a break, you know, like a, a few lines. Uh, like a, if you just if you like if you had a, a page in front of you and you just hit enter about uh, three or four times and then you start it again, you know. So and or sometimes there there'll be like um, there'll be like that and then a little ellipsis in the middle and then you you go on. Um, so it's it's kind of like that. It's it's kind of um, it's another one of those interesting, uh, uniquely structured books. Kind of like. Not exactly like House of Leaves. It's a little more uh, traditionally formulated than that, but it it ha it's a similar kind of conceit in my mind that it sort of uh, fits the sort of post-apocalyptic setting of the novel itself. Yeah, it almost feels like uh, it almost feels like a journal where instead of having a book that he's keeping his thoughts collected in, it's like he's finding any scrap of paper he can. 
That is a really interesting way to look at it. And I actually, I think that's brilliant. I think that's kind of how it is. It's like, you know, it's so on. If you had a scratch, just had to do scratch paper that you just found anywhere. You ha- you'd have to be very economical in your your word choice and all that. And if it was for if it wasn't for like theoretically for mass consumption, I mean obviously this is, but like to to build on your conceit, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily bother doing a lot of punctuation or a lot of like this person said this, that person said that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, if if this is something that that is consistent with McCarthy's work. Um, this doesn't necessarily apply as well as I'm trying to make it right now, but it almost does have this this form of of de-evolution of the human condition that you would see in a in a post-apocalyptic setting, to where you know, society has fallen and our our literary rules and styles have fallen too. Yeah, I think I think that that's kind of the part of the effect that you get. I think that's that's well uh, a well taken point. Uh, another thing that kind of links uh, to our last book, although all of these parallels were fully unintentional, was that uh, not a lot of character names. Um, in fact, I would say fewer than the previous book. Like this one has none that I've run come across. No, it's it's basically just titles: the so, the man, the boy. The 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 main the the two main characters that we have are are basically known as the man and the boy. A father and his son um and that's that's really and that that's basically it like they're they've they've run into at least to the point we've gotten to the book very few people and the people they have run into were not uh given names so it's it's all it also has this very um anonymous feel in that respect which is kind of uh again kind of suits the the post-apocalyptic feel it's like the you know the socially constructed identities have been destroyed because society itself has been destroyed so this is a for lack of a better term a a weird book to talk about i feel there's i i feel like we have a general not really a plot but a goal in mind for our characters. Uh, we know that they're traveling south, and the man wants them to hit the coast where he's... Um, I, I think he's wanting to assume that it's going to be warmer because he thinks it's around October, November, and it's it's really cold. I guess they're in the the northeast right now, maybe? I, I the, the what, I'm, what I'm getting from this is, like, they're in the mountains. Um, like one thing that I, I thought... That's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking maybe they're in like North Carolina or or West Virginia even or some somewhere kind of north-ish or maybe they they're coming south from like Ohio or something like that and they're they're heading south and then they they're coming through the Appalachian Mountains right now and then you know they're they're trying to to get south to the coast. So I guess that's I, I think they're probably trying to trick that's that's what I would guess is where they're trying to trek through. Yeah. So it feels like a lot of just small, either small character moments or small world building moments that we just kind of get thrown in as we travel with them down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like a lot of constant action and plot. It's just like 
an interwoven well sometimes that happens but mostly it seems to be like an interwoven series of vignettes yeah so i i feel like it's kind of hard to talk about in that regard it's not like something like um leviathan wakes where we have this very clear and present plot that we can talk about and go and follow through or even something like uh the stranger where there are a lot of um abstract or um psychological ideas that we can talk about or kind of philosophize about Mm -hmm. so it's it's I, i feel like this is a book where there's a lot more to it in terms of its format and its style more than its substance itself if that makes sense I think I understand what you're saying. I I will say though, um it's it's very it's very gripping in a way. I I, I find myself uh, I'll be reading it and suddenly you know I'm 10 pages deep and it's like, "Oh, okay, you know, this is uh it's very short. That that helps. The the pages aren't very big. There aren't a huge amount of words per page. So it it's a page turner in the sense that you get through the pages quickly just by the nature of how big it is so that helps mm-hmm. but it, it it almost has this sense of um attachment to it to where after maybe 10 or 15 pages i think i think it may vary depending on on from person to person uh you you get this this form of attachment to the man and the boy to where you're like okay i need to see how this goes what what they might encounter what's going on with this world it, it, it almost immediately throws out all these questions that you can't help but feel like you need to see some sort of answer to so it, it keeps you engaged despite its very unorthodox nature yeah very unorthodox and very um very sparse nature like it's you know like i said and like kind of like dusty said there's not really like a at least to this point, maybe maybe this is something that we're going to look back and we're going to kind of see um, how things kind of turn out. Because there's there's moments that, and they're not marked, but you if you if you're paying attention, you'll realize that it's a flashback. You know, uh, there's like this one sequence where where the um, the man, aka the father, he's he's remembering the night that the world changed. Right? He says that he he saw outside of his window. Uh, was it like a rose-colored glow or something like that? Yeah, I'm assuming it was a nuke. Yeah, it, it was. That was that was my assumption as well. I think, I think that the the nature of this uh, apocalyptic world is some kind of like nuclear winter scenario. Um, there's like a lot of ash and debris in the air, and like like that's that's one thing that uh, I I didn't mention earlier that probably should have. Um, they they do have like filters and like. Matt, they're, they're they're having to like, they're 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 having to protect themselves from that. In addition to the the harsh conditions, I totally forgot about the masks that they were wearing until you brought it up just now because it's something that is only mentioned in the first couple of pages, and it hasn't been brought up again since, unless it's referring to the groups that we've we've come across so far and them wearing their masks. Yeah. That's true, but yeah, you know, I didn't really even think about it until I was just thinking back, trying to connect the events. But yeah, it looks like it's like some sort of nuclear winter scenario. Um, they should have gone to the Mojave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be that'd be a lot warmer, certainly. 
Um, let's see. So they're they're kind of like living this like condition where they're they're scrounging. They're they you know they'll mention that they are eating little stores of like old food. Like they'll they're saying they ate a can of beans. They heated up a can of corn over their fire. That kind of stuff. Um, but this world that they live in is uh, a profoundly dangerous world. Um, it is it is one that is like. Uh, beset by by uh, raiders, um, you know all kinds of like um, murderers, uh, enslavers. Um, you know, there's a lot of references. That, so th- th- this is just like an off the top. You know, usually I I'm, I'm not sure why I, ch- I do it this way, but I've, that's just the way it's worked out. But I've, I sometimes will talk about um, uh, the, whether a book or, has or does not have. Uh, troublesome content like and I uh, I kind of throw that in with my closing thoughts but I guess we'll say up at the top this one this book uh, content warning any and all pretty much you know it's like there's like a lot it's it's a violent world Um, it's a it's a cruel world there's you know references to sexual assault you know it's it's basically it's basically the world has has quite literally pretty much gone to hell so so they're they're uh, like Dusty mentioned before uh, they're they're trying to head south and they're kind of like you know subsisting on these like the residual reserves that they found from you know the the previous before the apocalypse so like cans of beans and corn and that that's that's another thing that kind of is like a um, if there's any kind of plot uh, re- plot that ties the moment to moment together it's this idea that they're they're slowly running out of food. Like their their survival situation in the mountains is no longer tenable, and that's a big reason why they're heading south. Like they're running out of food, and it's getting colder. I will say, I I think their idea of the the cart is is pretty ingenious. Oh yeah, that that's what I was just about to get to. So they they find this shopping cart, um, and they they use it to help them push their their gear and their packs and. Their supplies along. I, I agree that I thought that was that was pretty uh, pretty clever. Um, so they they're kind of like they're pushing the cart along, and they they see um, they they the one thing that the father does have is like a pair of binoculars. So that from time to time, usually, I wouldn't say that these are where the chapter breaks are, but it does kind of feel like whenever the binoculars come out. And I don't know if this is something that he did consciously or not, but it feels like when the binoculars come out that there's like a new a new sequence, a new segment of the book is kind of starting. Would you say that's a kind of a fair assessment? I, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you mention it, it does it does feel like a a, a form of a chapter break in in some facet. It, it's it's there not necessarily the start of a new struggle, but it's it's the start of. Uh, the yeah, I, I think how you put it was pretty good. So there, you know, he's looking at the using his binoculars, and he's um, kind of looking around. They through this through this town that they're passing through, and you know, we can kind of see like at first this is like the the harsh reality of of the post apocalyptic world. They're seeing like these these dead bodies just strewn about. Um, it's it's just it's so it's pretty dark if you can imagine you know uh, 
they don't really say how old the boy is, the son. But uh, I would imagine somewhere like eight to ten. What what were you kind of thinking? I, I was thinking maybe like seven to ten. So yeah, we're 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 in about the same the same spot. Yeah, and the boy, um, the boy has this uh, remarkable innocence, and um, as we will see later, he has a lot of uh, compassion for the residual compassion for people and i think that's that's something he he is almost a the father-son dyad is almost kind of a representation of humanity the father you know represents the resilience and strength and determination the son kind of represents uh the the compassion the uh the innocence the I don't want to say innate gentleness, but I think there is a certain, uh, how to put this, I think most people in their hearts, you know, or at their core, are at least decent people. Um, and I think that's kind of what the boy does represent, although the although I don't know if Cormac McCarthy would agree uh, with me necessarily. This is a very... I don't want to say nihilistic book necessarily, uh, but it it is uh, it is pretty pessimistic. It does have a very pessimistic view on on uh, what would happen uh, to to society um, after some sort of catastrophic event. Because as we mentioned before, it's essentially just there is no society. It's basically just lone, maybe not entirely lone straggling survivors. Because they do talk about. Um, in, in one interlude, they do talk about seeing, like, group... Uh, there, there being theoretically groups of refugees. But it seems like those are kind of isolated. There's a lot of individual survivors. And there there's these roving gangs of, of um, psychotic um, evil beyond all imagining kind of criminals. Would you say that there is a bit of uh, misanthropy in this book? If there wasn't, if it wasn't for the boy, I would say there, I would say that might be true. But I think the boy is a very, very powerful um, symbol in the book, and and the father too, like the 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 um, the desire to protect, and there and you know the desire, you know, and then the compassionate side, and they're sort of very powerful mutual love that even though the the a lot of the words are very um seem very flat there is a lot of um connection in there you know there like you can what uh, if you once you learn how to read for it you you see that there is actually a very profound connection between the father and the son yeah one thing it uh one thing it does feel like is that the the father is a representation of the hardened mankind in this in this mm-hmm. new world and this and the boy seems to be like a, a a relic of of humanity prior to yeah that's actually something that i was thinking about this morning too is like it's actually kind of interesting that the father represents the new world and the son represents the old world it's kind of an inversion of the way uh, people typically look at those kind of things 
Yeah, like a poetic but, irony. Mm-hmm. There is just something like, uh, you know, then he just sat there holding the binoculars and watching the ashen daylight congeal over the land. He only knew that the child was his warrant. He said, if he is not the word of God, God never spoke. You know, and it's just like very powerful sentences like that. That, that really uh, highlight that connection between father and son. I can't wait for the road to where the boy has now created his own religion. <laughs> Boyism. Yeah, I am the Messiah. I am the boy. <laughs> boy. Yeah, We do get a moment. I, I'd like to speak about this. Uh, we get a moment pretty early on. And uh, hang, hang on, I need to go grab my prop for this. Where they're um, they're traveling through, uh, I can't remember if it was the gas station or if it's before the gas station, but they stumble upon a can of Coke. <laughs> oh yes, that was a very a very touching scene um, where you know the father offers the can of Coke to his son, um, who is just he he loves it because. Like if you gave it gave a soda to someone to a like a to the the uh, metaphorical medieval peasant, <laughs> you know they they would they would it would just rewire their brain chemistry. They wouldn't even know it would be just so probably delicious and different, you know, just just blow their minds. And so he wants to his son to have that experience, um, to to have that little bit of a. Uh, residual pleasure from from the old world that is now dead and so he lets his son have it and um i thought that was a very uh, tender moment as well uh another connecting thread speaking of because you mentioned the the next part where, where they have they share the or he most he gives his son the can of coke um if it was me in that situation if it was me in that situation that kid would have gotten a sip of coke and the rest would have gone to me you're like, look, kid. You don't know what you're. You don't know what you're missing. So don't worry about it. I'm the one that's suffering here. I'm the one that's not had coke. You've never. You don't know what you're missing. So you're just gonna. You'll, you'll sit tight. What, what you don't know is not gonna hurt you. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm about to crack open a cold one. <laughs> but uh, his. Uh, oh, one. What I was gonna say. Um, the father, another thread that kind of like ties things is like the father's worsening cough. The man has, um, a, a case of, uh, literary tuberculosis. Um, one of the, the oldest, uh, literary and, and really, um, storytelling tropes is like the, the idea of a guy that's coughing, coughing up blood and gradually getting worse. So that's another kind of through line is like the man, his health is deteriorating so I think that's another impetus to try to get him south. He wants to get his son somewhere where he feels like he has a better chance of surviving. I think that's an unspoken motivation of the father as well. Yeah, I, I don't think the father is going to make it to the end of the book. I think he's going to make it to like the last few pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to die at the end is what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. he's Anytime somebody has the bloody cough, they're, they're toast. Yeah. Which, um, this might be jumping ahead a bit, but one of the things they have is the handgun, which at this point in time has two bullets in it, and, um, uh, I, I think the, 
the current situation is use the gun as a deterrent and if absolutely necessary I don't believe he thinks that he could ever do this but I think he has it almost as a contingency plan one for the boy one for me I I, I did think that that did come to mind um, that's another thing that's not spoken but there is a certain uh, inescapable uh, symmetry there that makes you think like maybe that's what he is thinking like he's like if if they ever get into a bad enough situation because and I, I, I there's there's something called and this kind of gets along with the next part portion of uh, where we're heading is like this idea of they're referred to in the books of um, blood as blood cults um we don't really know much about them, but that, I think that name basically tells you what you need to know, essentially, is that they are uh, roving gangs that just kill and, I think, eat people. I think, they're, I think that they're cannibalistic. I think that's something that we're supposed to also kind of take from that. That's at least implied at this point. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the jumping ahead a little bit again, the mother does really heavily emphasize that... Uh, if they're lucky, it seems like they will be killed, eaten, and raped. Yeah, it's uh, as I said before, full full content where like every anything and everything. It's it's a pretty dark book. Yeah, there's a um, um, there's a line where I really quickly want to bring up. There's a line. I think it happens twice so far, where the boy asks if they're the good guys, and the man says, "Yes, we are." And I feel like normally something like that is done as a, uh, not necessarily like a coping thing, but where it's like they did something bad and, and a character's like, are we the baddies? And the guy's like, no, 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 we aren't. But they actually are. I feel like there's no real argument here that, yes, relatively speaking, they are the good guys in this situation. Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're, the alternative is... Literal slavers and insane cannibal cults. Yeah, you 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 are the good guys, pretty I much. Mean, yeah, they they didn't help the man that got struck by lightning, but it very much is uh, the man was in the right there. It's it, if I, I have a feeling that if they had the means and the capability to help him, I think the man would have. But he understood that this dude's going to die, so I can either show him an act of kindness before his death that will hurt us in the long run. Or just keep moving. What you know? What could they have done? Really? I mean, there's they didn't really have anything. You know, it's it's sad and it was terrible. It was a very um, uh, emotionally affecting passage. But it's like you know, like you're saying, the father was right. There was really nothing that could be done for that man. Yeah, it's it's like I said, all, all they could give him would be an act of kindness, and it would have potentially cost them later on down the road only so that this person could maybe, and this is strong, maybe have something nice happen for him before he dies. That dude's in bad shape. He, his eye was, like, burned shut. Yeah. His, um, his, his hair was all ashy and, and, char- and charred. He was, in, he was in real bad shape. Didn't Wasn't part of his skull exposed in one part? I think so. Yeah. Um, let's see. There, there's a lot of... Uh... 
So yeah, they're they're kind of pushing their cart and they're pushing it through the mountains. That is correct, Dusty's something that's that's something that they say or that they see when they're um they're kind of walking they're walking by and they see this man um like that. He's basically, you know, these these kind of sh- these images of these shambling figures that are essentially the walking dead. Um they do one thing that I, I remember that they did kind of do is they 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 stopped as they were heading through the heading back south, they passed through the father's hometown, and um, he takes he takes him to into the house, you know, and the father's you know thinking about all of his memories from his life, and the son is basically he's pretty scared the entire time. Um, so that so he essentially just agrees that it was probably a mistake to come here but it was it was I thought that was an interesting passage too it's just like this idea of returning to his his childhood home but it's however many years on and the home itself has fallen into disrepair it was just a very um it was a it was more really good and interesting symbolism of of the the world that they once knew our world is now gone it is well and truly dead mm-hmm. i i almost feel like that scene was a bit of a red herring too because throughout it the boy is scared and he he's almost it's almost like he's worried about something that's just around the corner that's gonna jump out and attack them or something and it it really does end a little anticlimactic uh, anticlimactically which I, I i imagine was the point but it, it i kept waiting for something to, to warrant the child's fear, but then nothing ever came, and suddenly we're on to the next next scene. So, I, I which I yeah. guess I, it's more of a commentary on the nature of the world that they live in, and as opposed to anything else. Yeah, it's um. So they're they're kind of getting through. They they start to go through the mountains. Um. They they uh they're pushing their cart up the mountain the whole time. This was something I was thinking. Um. Sometimes uh, you get those grocery, those carts at a grocery store, and they they can barely even travel through the grocery store. I'm wondering like how the heck are they pushing this a cart up a mountain? They must have found like a mint condition, like fresh off the line grocery cart. Well, remember they did. Um, he did have to disassemble it and uh, like grease up the 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 wheels, right? At some he point, did something right? to like reinforce one of the wheels. I, I do remember they do say one of the wheels stopped working, but I just just thinking about the physical act of pushing a grocery cart up a mountain that just sounds exhausting, especially because when you factor in also the snow and all that. Yeah, that must have been crazy. Um, that that is that is the real triumph of the human spirit, right there. Is is a man who will push a grocery cart up a snowy mountain. Yeah, and there was the the bit where they go to another grocery store, and he's looking at all the shopping carts there. So he doesn't find any that are that are worth anything. So it makes me wonder if a the cart that they have is the first cart and only cart they've used so far, and b how many times has he done something like that where he's had to repair or even replace pieces of it? So I I, I feel like this this might be Theseus's shopping cart at this point. <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's a fair interpretation because you know Cormac McCarthy will sometimes like between these uh, passages 
Um, there, if you definitely can feel the passage of time sometimes, where it'll feel like they're about to go to bed, and then it'll be them, uh, you know, and it seems like in seemingly the mid afternoon the next day, you know. So I think sometimes I think there's a certain um, thing to his writing style where he's not necessarily showing you beat by beat by beat by beat everything that's happening. I think it's it's a very um, this is a terrible way to look at it, but I'm going to make the comparison anyway. Instead of watching like a video of something, you're like watch, looking at a series of photographs, if that makes sense. So it's no, not the I, continuous I, yeah. strand. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, can we can we very briefly talk about the the mother? Uh, sure. This might be this might be jumping ahead a bit, but I, I, it 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 really only comes in as a couple of flashbacks at two separate points in the in the book so far. So I, I feel like it's it's okay to to kind of throw this in wherever. So mm-hmm. you, you mentioned earlier the 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 flashback that seems to be the start of this of this whole situation and mm-hmm. um i i don't know maybe i have my timeline a little confused here so she's holding a child and he's turning on the the bathtub and there i like this this the, the i thought this exchange was a little funny she's like why are you taking a bath and he's like i'm not so my assumption based on what was going on is what what I gathered he was doing I could be wrong but this was my interpretation of it was he was filling up the bathtub because since the electricity was out he figured the water was going to be going out soon so it's better to have a full bathtub of water in preparation for when that happens as opposed to just being being caught waterless yes actually and this is this is your first um, sad boys book club survival tip in the event of a nuclear um occurrence that is actually what you should do you should if you are in your home or your apartment or whatever fill fill your uh fill your bathtub yeah that that felt really smart to me i was was like is he filling that up just so they can have access to the water that's that's really clever that's something that i've personally never thought of so that was that was really cool um the second flashback uh has to do with there's like a She's she's giving birth, and he, yeah. he he pulls the baby out and he cuts the cord, and it it seemed to me, maybe this was me misunderstanding, but it seemed to me this was already in the post apocalypse when this happened. Yeah, the, I think her the, her giving birth happened um, like a few days or weeks after the um, the nuclear event because. Remember, they was talking about, like, the, the red glow and the power grid and all that. And, they, you know, how they were talking about their their um, their candlelit dinners while they were watching the cities burn and all that? That was... So that was... So th- that was already post-apocalypse, I guess, when the sun was born. But... When... It said she was holding the child when... In the scene where the bomb goes off. Right. Let me. Let me. I don't remember. Let me. Let me go look real quick. She says. It says. Um, she was standing in the doorway in her nightwear, comma. Wow. Clutching the jam, comma. Oh, two commas in one sentence. Cradling her belly with one hand. What is it? She said. What is oh. happening? 
Okay. Yep, I, I don't know how I read that as cradling the baby. That that was that was a that was a that was a reading error on my part. That 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 fixes that that qualm that I had as to where the timeline is going with this. Um, the last one that we get, at least so far, is, for lack of a better term, her death, where she's complaining that uh, they they should have used the gun on all of them when they had three bullets. Now they have two, and she's like, "I'm gonna go kill myself," and he's asking her not to and she's just like well you're not going to stop me I made up my mind I'm going to go kill myself and one thing I do find kind of weird you mentioned earlier that a lot of the dialogue is very kind of to the point and very simple and then mm-hmm. in this in this flashback with the mom she has like two paragraphs where she's just it's almost Shakespearean the way that she talks and it felt really jarring to me because you do have the situation where there are a lot of conversations that are very, very cut and dry, just very simple, simple, simple. And then she's just, she's using like these really big poetic words talking about how. And she, metaphors too. Yeah, and how, how she's a slut because she's found a new lover in the form of death, which was a very weird thing to say. Like, that, that's, that was weird to me. <laughs> Well, yes, yes, I, I, I was, uh, that, that's something that, um, McCarthy, I think there's a lot of good things can be said about him, but I think that was a very, and I understand what he's going for, right? I understand that he's trying to, and why she's saying those things, you know, but it's, it is, it is a little weird. I, I don't know that I necessarily would have put it that way. Yeah, I think, I think the point and the message of, of that section was was totally fine, and it was very well fit into the um, into the book, but her dialogue felt really really strange to me, and it, it was very jarring. Like I said, uh, it's just I, I don't I don't know. That might be my least favorite part of the book so far, specifically what she said, not not anything else, but just the words that she used felt really just very out of nowhere to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I fully agree. I think that was... Um, I I understand what, what uh, the author, you know, what Cormac McCarthy is trying to do, but I, I did feel that was that was probably my least favorite portion so far. And it also just didn't... Especially given the uh, the rest of the book, it just it felt very out of nowhere, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I feel like going off of the things that we were given... She has maybe some sort of resentment toward the boy because she said that, um, I don't remember exactly what she said, but something along the lines of my life ended when I gave birth or maybe like her will to live ended when she gave birth. Like the boy took her soul or something like that. I I, I can't remember the exact Mm -hmm. line, but she has a lot of negativity towards their situation and she wishes that he would have killed her, the boy and himself when they had the bullets to do so. So yeah. she basically, after whittling him down to the point to where he can't fight her anymore, she just gets up and leaves, leaves to die. Mm-hmm. How she goes to die, I don't think it's important. So we don't really, we just know that she leaves to die. And that's how the mother goes, so to say. I feel like that scene could not have been more than a few weeks before the start of the book. 
I think I think that's uh, a good uh, a good way to look at it. And also, as I'm looking at it, I found that line you were talking about. She said, "My heart was ripped out of me the night he was born." So don't ask for sorrow now. So, but yeah, I think she mentions that they don't have enough uh, uh, bullets to for him to kill them all with with the gun. And uh, so, and and as we know, with the where the father is at right now in the in the story, he only has two bullets. So I feel like that is that must have happened pretty recently. And the boy is still not over it. Like the boy. The, actually, what leads to that is the boy like talking about how he misses his mom and his dad. Um, he doesn't really know how to handle that, so he's like, "You," because he himself is also kind of grieving because it was. Let's let's be let's be honest here. That was a very traumatic event for the father. It would be a traumatic event for anybody if your partner was like, "No, no, I'm going to kill myself." I wish you had killed me. And when our child was born, I that was the basically when my life ended. You know, so that would that was, so he doesn't really know how to deal with it. So when the boy is talking about missing his mother, he's just like, just, no, just don't talk about it. Just because he he, it's too painful for him to really even reckon with. Because he he as an adult can't reckon with it. So he doesn't know how to help the child. Yeah, and I mean no pun intended here. But uh, it feels very heartless on her part when it, during their final discussion because she basically tells him, because he's saying, what about our child and all that? And she's like, that's your problem. Deal with it. And he's like, I can't do this alone. And she's like, well, too bad. Deal with it. It's, it's yeah. just, I, I don't like the mother. She sucks. And, and maybe it's, it's, it's someone that could not cope with this world especially this many years in and she's finally hit her breaking point this this she might be just a very she may be a victim of this world that took many years to finally succumb to it but within the context of this world itself and not the world prior to the bomb or whatever she's not a good person and maybe this is just me with the the luxury of not being in that situation, sitting on my on my high chair, looking down on her, being like, oh, you're going to abandon them just so you can selfishly die? Oh, you're a bad person. Maybe that's just me being like that. But just the callousness, especially in comparison to the man whose sole mission at this point is the safety of the boy, for her to be so completely just selfish and heartless toward both of them is just it's just it's striking to me yeah i i guess that that is fair i mean i don't think that she should have certainly shouldn't have done that but i i understand to a certain extent like her thinking there like she is very afraid she's basically i, I think i think she just had a mental breakdown like she, I don't think she could deal with the world as it existed anymore. That you know, because she says, um, <clears throat> "No, I'm speaking the truth. Sooner or later, they will catch us and they will kill us. They will rape me. They'll rape him. They are going to rape and kill us and eat us, and you won't face it." Um, so she's she's basically feels like there it, it there it's inevitable that they're all going to die in the worst imaginable circumstances 
and she is at the point where she is she just she can't she can't face that so she's she wants to end her life on her own terms with a minimal i guess suffering like there's going to be there's i'm sure there's still going to be some kind of suffering for her but it's not going to be in the face of unimaginable cruelty so i i do understand like I do understand she feels like she's trapped. She feels like no matter what, she's she's dead and and her husband's dead and the child is going to be dead. So I, I understand her desperation, but you know, I just I, I I do think it is kind of hard to do that, to to leave them and to leave your son, especially in that situation. Yeah, I, I feel like she thinks that it would be merciful to do that to 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 die on their own terms in a world that will only kill them worse if they the longer they survive but i i don't know i just feel like it's i i think that while she may i think she's trying to use that as a coping mechanism as a, oh this is this is a mercy if we do this but in actuality she's just given up and refuses to take any responsibility that's been thrust upon her in this new world I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being harsh on her, but that's just kind of how I see it, especially in comparison to the man and how he feels toward the boy and what we've seen as who the boy is and what he represents for humanity. Yeah, it's... I, I think, like, like you said earlier, it's it's difficult, right? Because, you know, we, we have this vantage point that is... Um, I mean... Conditions in, in in our world are are living conditions are declining. Uh, mo- most people are experiencing sort of downward uh, mobility economically. Life expectancy is falling. You know a lot of you know things, but but relative to their position, um, you know we have it pretty good relatively speaking. So it's it's difficult to say. I mean I don't necessarily disagree with you. It's just I very much. I guess identify with her profound despair, but that doesn't necessarily mean I I condone what she she's doing. If that makes sense. Yeah. But at least for now, that is a wrap on the mother as a character. We might get more about her, maybe some more flashbacks prior to her 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 leaving later on mm-hmm. in the book. But as it stands, that's all we can say about her at this point. Yeah. So now we have a situation where they have a real encounter with some of the fiends that the mother alluded to with the uh the bad guys so to say they they're they're walking along the road and they is it they that they hear the the truck that causes yeah. them to get off that's that's one thing that they were walking they're they're kind of following the road and they hear the this um and they hear the engine and it's backfiring and it's misfiring it's ha- it's having a difficulty but it's Im- unmistakably um the sound of a diesel engine coming through uh the mountain pass so that's something that that really triggers the father because i think at this point basically that that could only mean um, what you're saying is they, they, these these bad guys these uh, uh, 
rambling bandit murderer cultists. Yeah, so they they do their best to hide the cart, and then run run away and hide in, uh, uh, like a, a an embankment, or something like that. Yeah, they're like in the bushes in an embankment. Yeah, and the they're waiting for everything to pass by, but then the the truck dies, so the men are working on it. Meanwhile, one of them splinters off to answer to the call of nature, and heads right to them which forces the man to essentially pop up and hold him at gunpoint. And we have this scene where there's a bit of a back and forth uh, between them where they uh, the man's trying to essentially get out, of that, get out of that situation quietly. And the masked man, the, the cannibal, the bad guy, whatever you want to call him, is... Uh, essentially trying to call his bluff and we get an altercation where he he pulls a knife and goes for the boy and the father responds by shooting him in the head which gets some brain matter on the boy and they book it out of there to try and hide from the the rest of them who are surely going to come and investigate yeah yeah that was a very very tense moment uh pretty that was one of the most exciting parts of the book so far. It was very well written, very tense. Um, I just wanted to throw out here. Um, this is this is a a perfect um, example of what I was talking about earlier when I was referring to most of the writing is very um, very plain spoken, but in a good way. I'm not I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it's it's very. Um, it's just very clear. It's very, very simple. Um, but it's, it's, here's, here's an example. He wore a beard that had been cut square across the bottom with shears, and he had a tattoo of a bird on his neck done by someone with an ill-formed notion of their appearance. Ill-formed being one word. He was lean, wiry, rachitic. Um, so... That that one that one word it's like so all of that stuff is is very commonplace you know exactly what that is, but then he hits comes out of nowhere and hits you with rachitic, I think that's how you would pronounce it. It it means having rickets. So I think that I think this that portion is very good. Um, you know it's 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 very representative of if you've never read the book what it's kind of like. So. Anyway, they, they uh, as Dusty said, so they're, they're, there's a little bit of a back and forth. The guy tries to bluff them to try to kind of get them to go back with him to the van. Or not the van, the, the, the truck. And, you know, he, he's implying that, uh, that they're, you know, we're not bad. We just, you know, in fact, we actually, we need help. Why don't you come back with us, you know? Because at some point he somehow gets the, the, um, the belief that the man is a, is a doctor somehow. And anyway, he's just kind of like trying to get him to go back, but obviously the father's not going for it, and the guy is not being uh, genuine either. He just he wants to lure them back so that they can be killed. Um, but anyway, so after the after their um, after that guy's killed, they they run into the uh, they run into the woods and they're having to hide. It's it's pretty it's pretty grim. Um, they're having to. You know they're they're running. The boy is obviously 
very very scared um he's he's off, off, he's basically frequently on the the break the point of a breakdown and to this point there's been a lot of like talking back and forth between the father and the son and i even though the son is not nonverbal per se he he does like he does take on a certain a, a, a profound reticence because obviously you know what he's seeing is is incredibly troubling you know and you know think about it you you get some guy gets shot while holding you and his brains fly out all over it's stuck in your hair for i think like a day almost like it's it's that's about as bad as a situation as can happen especially for someone that age um so they're they're kind of going through and they're they return to their cart um after they've after a while, you know, the, they're they're trying to lay low. The father's kind of scanning things out. They come back and um, to the cart, and they find it's been ransacked. Um, so basically, their their situation has become uh, just about maximally dire, uh, and they're they're running out of food. And uh, there's this this moment. Where they're eating, I think, the last can of food that they have at the time. And the son asks the father if they are the, still the good guys. Um, and I think that's that kind of goes back to that idea of what we were talking about before. Is like, the son is representative of hope. And of, like, goodness. And uh, a, a sort of simple-hearted purity. You know, it's like, the, he, was, he was forced to deal with this, uh, this moment where the they had to kill someone and it's it's um he's having to process that and that's that's kind of a that's a a very powerful moment um with the father and the son so i guess next is there um they're they're heading towards they're heading back towards this they this town and uh they're kind of they're kind of looking in in on the town they're kind of scouting it out and they can see there are some like they can see some signs of people nearby and they're not really sure as one would be especially given their their recent encounter um they're very unsure about what what is coming up in front of them so they're they're kind of um being careful they're they're going into these houses in this town and they're searching for food and um, I think they also hear a dog in the distance, and I thought that was interesting because basically uh, there is a very almost no description of of like a lot of animal life or of plant life. I feel like a lot of that is is gone. I think essentially uh, a lot of if if you've ever seen pictures of say a world war one wasteland you know look look at pictures of uh verdun let's say you know something like that i think that that's kind of the image that i get is like this almost lunar but also kind of a hellscape like lots of gray lots of devastation and and the the natural world has been stripped away and almost fully destroyed that that's kind of the sense i get is that basically there's not a lot left 
Anyway, so they're they're going and they're they're searching through this house, and they're looking, and kind of as they're leaving, um, as they're leaving, they see the they see this boy, and uh, that's that's uh, oh last little thing about the dog here as I'm as I'm kind of flipping, they listened, then in the distance he heard a dog bark, he turned and looked toward the darkening town. It's a dog, he said. A dog? Yes. Where did it come from? I don't know. We're not going to kill it, are we, Papa? No, we're not going to kill it. You know. Um, oh, uh, last, last little bit here. He looked down at the boy, shivering in his coats. He bent over and kissed him on his git- gritty brow. We won't hurt the dog. I promise. So it's it's just like this. There, there's like this. The boy represents, uh, you know... I just I want to really hit home to the point where a lot of you are probably going to be uh, annoyed. <laughs> is like th- this is the the boy is a metaphor for for purity. He is a metaphor for what's good about humanity. Um, it's that, that sort of the spirit of goodness that exists within, as I said before, probably the majority of people. Okay, so so anyway, they're as they're leaving, they see um, they see a boy like near the house. Um, the boy is is also pretty close to the other boy is pretty close to the son's age, um, and they kind of see them, and then you know the boy sees them and starts to run away, and he's calling out to him, and he's trying to um, to get the boy to come come to them. And as as he's calling out to him, his father he grabs him and he's like, "What are you doing? You can't, you can't. You need to be quiet, you know." And he's but the he's the 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 son is is you know wailing and he's very upset and he's like, "There's a little boy, Papa. There's a little boy, you know." And he's he wants him to he wants to go to the to see him because you know there's there's another thing to think about. I mean, this is humans are are uh mostly social creatures um there's a few of us odd ducks that are that are uh kind of recluses almost but but uh the vast majority of people are very social and especially at that age you know there's a strong urge to socialize so he sees this other child and you know he's he's distraught because i'm sure this boy has never had a friend in his life he doesn't he doesn't know you know that that sort of connection so he's he's and he, he has a lot of concern for this boy because he says um you know he talks about i want to see him but he also says what if he doesn't have he have a papa you know that, that he know he he has this certain this concern for the child you know that he's trying to um you know he want he he desperately wants to help the child just like he wanted to help the guy who had been struck by lightning you know it's 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 just this um this desire for connection this desire to help you know that's that's one of the biggest uh, hallmarks of the boy and i guess one little last quick question this is or not question a little last quick um thing i we we forgot to uh to summarize to to talk about it when we were summarizing earlier i don't quite recall when in the novel it is but it, it's just it's it's not just that the boy is 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 you know 
you know, too outwardly facing it, although that is true. Um, he notices his father's sacrifices and like there's this one portion where they're I think it was back when they were in the mountains right when he was uh, they, they've had like a little package the, the their last package of, of hot chocolate and he was he's he's doing he's he mixed some in for the boy and he wasn't gonna have any and the boy you know scolds him kind of and is like no we're supposed to be sharing so it just just to kind of hit that home the, the boy you know it's not just that he's he feels afraid of his father or just I just wanted to really highlight that before we get to the close because we're pretty close to the close here I just just really highlight that there is a it's not just the father cares for the boy and the boy is afraid of the father or anything it is a very it is actually a very warm compassionate uh, basically symbiotic relationship yeah I, I think that's a fair way to put it but um, yeah, the last thing we we have to cover here before our cutoff point is their final encounter with another group of bad people, so to say. They uh, this is crazy. The they they feel basically like the ground shaking from this this procession, and they hide, and as they pass, they see this large group of people they're all wearing their masks and they're carrying carts and behind the carts are their slaves and their women a lot of which are pregnant that are being pulled along behind them as they pass and it's it's we we have what can be seen as this this nomadic tribe essentially of of people that are surviving and I mean, it doesn't seem like it's very good for for many people in it. There's a bunch of child slaves that they mention, like young boy slaves that are they they mention are like basically they're 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 like pulling the the cart and they're they're not they're not dressed for the weather. Obviously, it's very it's very cold, and they I think he mentions that they're they're like in basically just in harnesses and maybe some like light cloth but it's just like they're they're basically been reduced to animals almost yeah and you you have to wonder how the the food situation is for a group that large Uh, obviously there's got to be some sort of cannibalism going on but yeah i can't imagine even for the 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 standard foot soldiers for lack of a better term i i can't imagine they're very well nourished either at this point no, it's um, it's about it, it's a very that was a very dark passage. You're just just seeing how um, just I don't know. It was it was it was a very that was a pretty disturbing passage. Just just in general, the the way that they describe the the people and the slaves and all that. Yeah, and I think something that's more disconcerting is the man and the boy are not the only ones heading south it seems like that is something that is that is something that i actually didn't pick up on but i'm glad that you mentioned it. it's I, I i think i think that's that's true like with with the climate change that we see like they've they've mentioned that it's getting colder and it has been getting colder like they, they they're i think they're going through a period of global cooling um the where they live is base is becoming no longer survivable 
So I think that's going to. I think I think you you as you point out here. I think that's kind of seeding later. They're going to bump into different groups um, as they as they head south. I think maybe this for because we we're where we left off was roughly, um, and I and I, I did the calculation almost exactly one third through the book. So as I said before, the the book is um, it has no no um, chapters. So I, I divided uh, the book in three parts. And it was the, where we left off was almost basically, you know, in the middle of, of the page, or I guess two thirds down the page, was exactly at the one third mark for the book. So I, I think that for this first part here, um, act if we can if if we can uh, postulate that it's going to at least approximate the traditional three act structure. I think we've gotten to the end of act. One where we've seen, you know, we've introduced the characters, we've introduced the world, we've introduced the stakes, and we've introduced what they want to do, right? And so, and then we've they've and then we've sown the seed for the big, you know, the as Dusty mentions, the potential conflict. They're seeing these these uh, these road agents, these cultists and cannibals, you know, and and we're about to step. Th- they're about to kind of step through this next part where they're probably going to come more into conflict with these these people yeah and i'm i'm excited to see where it goes i I, i've been enjoying this book so far despite it being very different yeah it is very very different um it is different from just about anything i've ever read but i i don't know i really like it um and i am quite excited for uh, what happens next yep i am too I, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening to the Sad Boys Book Club. Once again, I am Daniel. And I'm Dusty. And uh, we will see you next time for part two of Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Have a good one. Take care.